Okay, let's turn to 1 John chapter 1. And I'm um, thinking to finish this passage this morning. There's a lot in this chapter. Once a person gets to studying it closely, well, I guess that's the way it's a lot of Scripture, but it just seemed like there was so much here. And uh, hopefully it doesn't seem like we belabored it. But And then I, I was thinking this book has... Um, uh, treats a lot of subjects. It'd be good for us to uh, be uh, reminded of. But then, uh, oh, I was uh, thinking about something this week, and I was thinking about another series of messages um, on the topic of the Word. And then our Sunday school lesson this morning made me think about a couple other things. So it's, uh, yeah, don't know where we'll go from here. But, uh, yeah, the Sunday school lesson, I don't know what yours are like, but it's just really challenging. I mean, your class. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, let's read um, 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and that truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Just uh, a few thoughts before we get to the middle and latter part of the passage. But verse 4. He said, we're writing you this so that your joy will be full. That, that was his goal, that they would be full of joy. And so, I mean, a life that's full of joy. Um, life tends to be challenging. And I don't know if we would uh, consider it full of joy or, joy or not. Uh, Brian was sharing some things that went on with his life this week, and I don't know if he'd call it joyful or not. But uh, that I thought about it, joyful, joyful. But it says that your joy may be full, joyful. Um, see, Jesus talked about joy. How does that verse go? Won't come to me now. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's in the Old Testament. I'm trying to. Think, I think it's John 16. That verse just now comes to me, but I can't, I can't pull it up. Um, yes, 24, 16, 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Well, that has to do with asking, kind of related to our Sunday school lesson. But so, uh, but what, what is fullness of joy? Uh, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And he's talking about fellowship with the Father and fellowship with us. 
So our fellowship with God, our fellowship with each other, well, first of all, with God, of course, but then when we have fellowship with God and we're walking in the light, we're sharing that with each other, we have fellowship. So you have this, you have both. You have this vertical relationship with this horizontal relationship. And uh, they, they both help to make our joy full. Now, going on to verse 5, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And uh, interestingly, um, uh, an, a, a magazine that came, uh, it's, uh, see, I think it's the one that's called uh, The Remnant now. The, there's a group in Ohio that picked up that magazine, The Remnant. But there was an article in it, uh, four pages on on. First John one, I thought. I wonder what this writer will say. So, uh, so I uh, I got a few thoughts from that, but um, I'm not sure these, this came the, these thoughts came from there or not. But it says in in God is no darkness. Yeah, I think this is one point they were making. In God is no darkness, and so like uh, when difficult experiences come into your life, do you believe that there's no darkness in God? That everything, I mean, we kind of believe this, everything, God has a purpose in everything. But do we, do we ever blame God? That, that's what this article, I think one thing they mentioned. Do we believe that in God is no darkness, regardless of the difficult things that come into our lives? Do we believe that always God is light? See if you can make the connection there. And you see, that's what it said about Job. Now, Job asked a lot of questions. There's things that we don't understand. And so, and, and so Job was never condemned for the questions he asked. He, he got pretty, uh, well, how do I say it? He got pretty vocal with God, actually. And he asked a lot of questions. But it says at the end of chapter 1, now that, of course, there's a lot... He, he suffered and more things happened. But the end of chapter one, when it was boom, 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 you know, um, how was it? Uh, a, a couple different things happened, you know, and his cattle was wiped out. And then the last one was his, his children were all killed in a storm. And he had, he, he, he was very, 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 very wealthy man and it all disappeared. And one day, it was a, the, the raiders took some stuff, storms killed some stuff, and he was wiped out. Thousands and thousands of stock and, you know, just everything, all gone in one day. And, and plus, plus, you know, it says the messengers came. And before the messenger hardly got done speaking, there was another messenger came. You talk about stuff hitting you. Now, Brian said, you know, he got this call that hit the meal that he served, he, he logs for is going, going out of business. Okay, well, that, that's serious enough. But you think about one messenger comes and says, you know, your 5,000 camels were, were stolen. And... Another, before he gets done talking, another one comes and says, all the rest of your stock was, was wiped out by a storm. And well, there was about four of them. And then the last one comes and says, your children were just all killed in a storm, all ten of them wiped out. And Job said, naked came out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And so that's the point of believing that God is light. In God is no darkness. God is not sinister. 
God is light. There's no darkness. So when difficult comes, things come. Light, light there's, there's things in our lives that are mysteries. There are things in our lives, I think, that we'll, we'll never figure out why they were the way they were. But we, we believe that God's in control. We believe that God knows what he's doing. And so we don't have to figure everything out. But this thing of God being light, um, and, and it says in him is no darkness at all. And the, the, this, this overall picture of, of the universe and, and history and so on, it's, it's light versus darkness. It's good versus evil. It's God versus Satan. I mean, that's, that's, that's history. That's what the history of the world is all about. And God is light and Satan is dark. And in God is no darkness. And, um, and, and then this thing about God being light, and I got to thinking about uh, why, why these thoughts come into your mind, but about God being light and what it, what it means to have a God that's only light. And, and, uh, and I, I just faintly remembered some stuff about the Norse God, so I looked it up this morning. And all, all the stuff that went on, okay, between the, God, the Greek gods were the same way. But I just, I'll just read a little bit of what it said. It talked about the, uh, the, 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 the Norse god. Of course, that's, you know, the, the Scandinavian countries, Iceland and so on. And so their gods kind of came out of their experience. But supposedly their original god was created out of ice and heat. And then from him, all the other gods were born and then and on and on and on. But anyway, it said the narrative of Ymir took a turn with the entity being given a tragic ending due to his apparent evil machinations. To that end, Buri, often acknowledged as the first of the Norse gods, had a son named Bor, who finally married one of Ymir's descendants, Besla, and their union produced three sons, V, Vili, and Odin. But the angry Ymir confronted these ascending young Norse gods, which eventually led to his own death at the hands of the three brothers. The three Norse gods, including Odin, then proceeded on to create the entire earth from Ymir's fallen body, with his blood accounting for the seas and oceans, while his bones made up the rocks and mountains. Furthermore, his hair was used for the trees, his skull was transformed into the sky and heavens, and his brains were made into clouds. And finally, his eyebrows were fashioned into Midgard, the middle realm of mankind. But anyway, uh, there's a little darkness there. And, and the Greek gods are the same way. So, but our God is all light. There's no darkness. There's no evil. There's no machinations. There's just, God is light. So, and we're used to it. We're, we, the, we, we have the Judeo-Christian ethic, and we're, we're used to that. But just think about all these other people in the world, and their gods are full of this darkness. God is light. Our God is light. Well, it says um, then in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and deny the truth. God is light. And so if we say that we have fellowship with God, and we're walking in darkness, there's a contradiction because God is light. And people that are walking with God don't walk in darkness. And that's, that seems rather obvious. But how many people walk in darkness and yet claim to be believers and have fellowship with God? Now, we all have room to grow, but um, that's... Uh, so it's, it's incongruous. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit walking in darkness and God being light. You can't have it both ways. You can't have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. There's room for growth. There's room for learning. It's like, well, things come to mind. But uh, I maybe have told you some of it already that one of my friends, Craig Boyer, 
most of you don't know him, but he taught at Berea back in the early 70s and a year or two. But he was, he was, he was a different character. Uh, but um, his daddy was Ernie Boyer, and he, uh, he was uh, up in the educational world circles and so on. But Craig must have been kind of a hippie dropout in the 60s, and uh, he was living in upstate New York. I see, Ben knows Craig, I think. Anyway, he was living in upstate New York and kind of, you know, remotely kind of hippie life and, and uh, doing everything kind of back to earth and all that. And then there were some people moved in next to him and they were zealous uh, Christians and he had enough civilization left in him that he, he went to visit them and he got converted that evening. They witnessed to him. Well, of course, the Lord, you know, he doesn't throw everything on you right away. But eventually he kind of realized that he really shouldn't be raising marijuana. And so he didn't want to waste it. And so he said he fed it to his pigs and they chased their tails for three days. But anyway, what I'm saying is um, that, um, that you know, he, he, he learned as he went along. So, so just because we aren't perfect doesn't mean we're walking in darkness. But um, we, we grow. And so he was walking according to the light as the Lord was showing him. And that, that's important, too. In fact, that, that was something that... Uh, it was at the very end of this uh, four-page article. It says, walk in the light you have, walk toward the light you see. As you walk in the light given in God's holy word, you will find that you're walking in close fellowship with God and others. So walk in the light. That was interesting the way they said that. Walk in the light you have, walk toward the light you see. So walking in the light. Um, and we, had, we actually sang that song, walk in the light. And, uh, and I was thinking, you know, light, darkness, uh, why would a person want to walk in darkness? I mean, who wants to go out at night without a light when it's really, really dark and you can't see where you're going, what's in your, what might be in your way? Why would anybody want to walk in darkness? Well, I was trying to think about that. Why? Why? Well, we're born. We're born with a bent to evil. You know, we're actually born as rebels. We're born as rebels. And uh, and. and and as this was mentioned in our Sunday School lesson this morning too. One thing we have to do is surrender. Surrender. And man wants to be autonomous. He wants to be his own boss. He wants to be his own God. In fact, he doesn't quite realize it. If, if the God that's light is not his God, then the God that is darkness, Satan, is his God. So he thinks he could be autonomous. And so because we're, we come into the world with that, that bent to evil and that natural rebellious nature, that's why we want. That's what we have to surrender. That's why we want to keep walking in darkness. Uh, we 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 hesitate to hand control over to God. Um, so walking in darkness. Proverbs, a couple of verses. Uh, Proverbs two thirteen said, "Who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness?" Uh, people actually do that. Uh, there in Proverbs, it talks. There were various verses that talked about uh, light and darkness. And see, it was chapter four. I saw some. It said, uh, the path of the justice is a shining light that shines more and more into the perfect day. We're familiar with that, but the path, it shines more and more. But the next verse says, the way of the wicked is this darkness, and know not what they stumble. So the one person, he's walking in light, it's getting brighter and brighter. The other person is walking in darkness, and he's stumbling. So, um, see, Jesus said, actually, and this is, this is pretty uh, astounding, uh, right there in chapter 3, right after the mo most well-known verse in the Bible, you know, John 3, 16, and then Jesus said, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light 
Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. People don't want to be, come to the light. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be exposed. Maybe we're just a, have just a tad of that sometimes. Um, we, we know our flaws and our weaknesses, and we just soon they wouldn't be exposed. But, you know, come to the light. Come to the light. Let it, let it, let it, let it, let God show us. Well, okay, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. That's kind of a key verse in this chapter. Uh, fellowship is based on walking in the light as God is in the light. And uh, a reference here, uh, Jesus spake unto them, this is John 8, 12. Jesus spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but you have the light of life. So Jesus says, I'm the light. You follow me, you won't be walking in darkness. And the word follow there means to be in the same way with. So when we're walking with Christ, when we're following Christ, we're walking in the same way with him. And he's walking in light, so then we're walking in light too. Uh, we have that desire. And it says, if we're walking that way, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And to be clean from all sin is, is, um, is a state, a privilege, um, a work of God that, there again, we can hardly fathom the, 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 how meaningful that is to be cleansed from sin. Uh, Ephesians 5, 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Revelation 1, 5, And to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And that, that verse has uh, st stood out to me in a special way since ever since I read the book Martyr of the Catacombs. Martyr of the Catacombs, it, it, it had the, um, it's supposed to be a true story, but it, it, it had a scene in the Colosseum where the lions were being released on a bunch of young ladies and they were singing this song unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. They were singing that song as the lions finished them off. That was precious to them. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests unto God. That's meaningful. And I wanted to read... Ephesians chapter 5, first part of the, first part of the uh, chapter, because it, it, it talks about walking in the light. It talks about being cleansed from sin. Ephesians 5, it shows what walking in the light is. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So it's, it's talking about things that go along with walking in darkness. For this you know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, 
proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Now notice again, light, darkness. It's mentioned over and over here. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So that passage says a lot about walking in darkness, walking in light, and uh, and who we are, uh, that uh, that God has cleansed us from all those works of darkness. So then it's then verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And I don't I don't know, do we run into people today that say they haven't sinned? Seems to me most people are aware of sin, and yet maybe the um the uh um the severity of what it means to be under condemnation before God, maybe that's Maybe that's not what sinks in. And there again, uh, I was thinking about verses in Job. Um, he, he mentioned that those truths over and over, just the way it says it in Job. Um, Job 9, verse 2, he says, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? How, how can man be just with God? And then towards the end of that chapter, he says, If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shall thou plunge me in the ditch and mine own clothes shall abhor me. And another translation, if I remember right, uh, in those verses, give it like, you know, if he makes himself so clean, uh, it's still like he's wallowing in a sewage ditch. As far as when we try to make ourselves clean, there's nothing... It just it just can't can't be, we can't do it. Uh, Job fourteen four. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. And so these verses in Job have impressed me with uh, with his uh, facing the essence. In other words, I guess Job and all his suffering. Don't know what all has gone through his mind, except we have some of it here. But, you know, how can a man be right before God? But in Job 15, 14, he says, What is man that he should be clean, and he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous? You know, how can a person be righteous? And But this is what it says in John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we, when we acknowledge, when we admit who we are and how unclean we are before God, then, then there's cleansing. And uh, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So acknowledging, acknowledging uh, our sinfulness. Uh, and, and our hopelessness of trying to do something about it ourselves. Proverbs 20, verse 9, Who can say I've made my heart clean? 
I'm pure from my sin. Who can say that? That I've clean, I've got I've you know, I've got my act together. I'm I'm clean. Ecclesiastes seven twenty, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So the sinful state of mankind and what the solution is to that, well, again, it's all all in God. Okay, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I think confessing our sins, some, um, there's a lot of people who will admit that they got problems. So what is confessing our sins? There are things that we try to Well, I don't know. I was going to say there's things we try to hide. I don't know if we necessarily try to hide them. Maybe we try to minimize them. Um, you know, I've got my faults. I've got my areas I need to grow in. Um, I've got my weaknesses. And I suppose all those things are true. I mean, when we see God and when we see ourselves, we, re we recognize how small we are and how imperfect we look to God. But sometimes, it says if we confess our sins, sometimes we need to acknowledge our sins instead of making excuses. So if we confess our, and I think honestly facing things Honestly, facing things includes forsaking them, turning away from them. Just saying, I've got, well, just like one of the homeless men told me here sometime back. He said something about, I've got my demons. Um, well, just exactly what I was referring to there. Not sure, but they'll acknowledge they got problems. But are they ready to turn them over to God? You see. So we can, I think, confessing our sins, confessing our state, is not only just acknowledging it, but it's surrendering it to God, turning it over to Him. And one other thought on this thing of confession, and that was brought out in this in this article that. Uh, I thought it from time to time, but I didn't think about it earlier in studying this passage. It said, um, it, it had the idea of, are we willing to forgive ourselves? Now, uh, maybe a person could take that the wrong way, but some people allow the devil to beat them up on some failing they had. And he'll keep coming back at you with something. He'll keep coming back at you with that. And so, if you failed, can you accept God's forgiveness? Can you say, it's clean, slate's clean, I can move on? Some people, and I, I, I think you can understand, some people have trouble forgiving themselves. Or they did something really, I don't know what. But it's hard for them to accept to move on. 
So we've got to accept God's cleansing. We've got to accept God's forgiveness. And then there was another uh, thing they said here about forgiving other people, how we forgive other people. And I'll just read what it says. Sometimes, even in professing forgiveness, there can be a dagger of malice. Someone may say, I forgive you of your sin against me, when they really mean to say, I want you to know that you've trespassed against me. True forgiveness is evidenced in the words of Stephen. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Just as Jesus removes sin from our account when he forgives us, so also do we remove sin and offense from a trespasser's account against us when we forgive them. So when we forgive someone else, does that remove their sin? Stephen said, lay not this sin to their account. I never really quite thought about it that way. So now, was, were they okay then in stoning Stephen? I mean, was that taken care of? Because Stephen said, lay not this sin to their charge. And I think they were still responsible, but as far as Stephen was concerned, it was clear. Now, how could that be? I mean, they stoned him to death. But as far as he was concerned, they were clear. So when you forgive someone else, It clears the slate between you and them. And I, I thought this, this put it pretty good. It said, uh, you know, one attitude of forgiveness there is, I forgive you of your sin against me, and what you're saying is, I want you to know. I want you to know you did me dirty. I'm remembering that, but I'm going to forgive you. Does that clear the slate? So, true forgiveness is pretty deep. True forgiveness is pretty deep. And that's the way God forgives us. Well, my last thought on this chapter for this morning is about light, going back to light. And uh, I was thinking about how light in the light as far as in the natural world and how it's a source of all energy. The energy from the sun, photosynthesis, takes water, carbon dioxide, maybe a few minerals, and with the, the energy from the sun, it turns that into food. Plant food, animals eat it. It's, it's, the, it's the total source of energy on the earth. Light through photosynthesis. And I was just looking up something about that, see what it would say about photosynthesis. And it said, photosynthesis is a process used by plants and other organisms to convert light energy into chemical energy that can later be released to fuel the organism's activities. Photosynthesis supplies most of the energy necessary for life on earth. Today, the average rate of energy capture by photosynthesis globally is approximately 130 terawatts, which is eight times the current power consumption of human civilization. 
In other words, if all the power plants around the earth, whether it's geothermal, whether it's hydro, whether it's fossil fuel burning, whatever, it says photosynthesis produces eight times that much power. Photosynthesis, photosynthetic organisms convert around 120 billion tons of carbon into biomass per year. Now that's, that's light, that's the natural light. It's a source of all energy on the earth. And I was thinking about God is light. And so for our, our spiritual energy, our spiritual vitality, it, it, it's totally dependent on God. God supplying our spiritual energy. And so that our, our relation to God, our contact with God, our, our, um, our fellowship with God, how dependent we are on it for, for, for spiritual health, life, and energy. Uh, so God is light. Um, and uh, I don't know how to say it any, any different, but um, the, uh, yeah, the parallel between natural light and spiritual light and the energy, the vitality it gives us. So God is light and Him is no darkness at all. Let's kneel for prayer.